Yo, this is Hannibal Burris. You're listening to Digital Good Times, and I and I hope it is good. Cause if not, I'm co-signing something bad. But I'm gonna go with my gut. That is good. Digital Good Times. All right. Yo, what it is, man? It's Digital Good Times. We back. We back at it. Yeah, I'm over here stuttering. It's cool. It's perfectly fine. I'm still focused. Uh, and uh, who else we got in the building? Yak, yak. We got yak, yak. You know, I already know what it is. That's um, Yugoslavian for Jack. I just made that up. <laughs> Not even a thing. Uh, and you know, we know we don't do the episode titles anymore, man. This is actually a very special episode. This is us kind of giving you a recap of our experiences at Breakout Conference Atlanta, yeah. which happened in June of uh, this year. We ain't going to give you the year, though, but it happened this year. And we don't want to date the show like that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and it was an incredible experience. Well, we were able to sit down with the really, really dynamic brother, Bon and Bao. And that's what we're going to be bringing you a little bit later. But before we get into that, man, I feel like we want to share what the experience was like to be at Breakout. You may have seen some of the um, insignia on social media a while back. It might be like, what is that? What is Breakout? What does it mean? But we want to just give you an idea of the vibe. So, Jack, man, what, what was your experience like, man, at Breakout? Man, it was it was wonderful. It was um, It's one of those things that it's hard to uh, put in words. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's better to actually experience that. But that wouldn't be fair to the yeah. listeners because they can't do that right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> man. It ain't like the Matrix. Uh, you know, you got you to experience for yourself. That's true. But. Yeah, but, you know, it, um, it was something that, you know, as it was described to me before I went, um, I didn't fully understand until I was actually around the other people um, who were at the conference because, you know, that was what made the conference. You know, there were a lot of different experiences where you would go around, um, in this particular case, the city of Atlanta, and just experience um, historic landmarks and um you know, different, just cool places, you know, learn about, you know, the culture and the music and the history. Mm-hmm. And um, you do this with a group of really awesome pe- people, um, a lot of entrepreneurs and, you know, organizers and the type of people that we often um, invite on Digital Good Times to interview a lot of those types of minds in these spaces, having fun around a city. You know, yeah. that's the best way I can describe it. Um, so that's it was good. it was awesome. It was cool. I, I got to give a special shout out to Kate of Choose ATL, man. It's still ridiculous that we haven't had you on. So we got we to gotta get you on this, of course. And we, and we got mad love for Kate, man. She really, yeah. she taught, she, she's, she's a doer, man. She, she, she walks the walk. And then uh, the good brother Graham, man, who yeah. is the, I think one of the founders or co-founders of Breakout. Um, for allowing us to participate and be a part of it and be the uh, li- liaisons to, for the community that we represent. And um, one of my takeaways was that, I mean, it was interesting because it was people from all over, man, New York, L.A., Chicago, different parts of the country, different parts of the world. Um, we're talking about influencers. We're talking about um, people who run startups, who have investment funds, VCs. I mean, again, cats like Bon and Bauman, who used to run like the marketing and digital marketing department for craft services. You know what I mean? And when you listen to the episode, he's dropping so many jewels, man. As y'all know, we call it survival scrolling, man. But like, he got like, he got 20, 30 fucking scrolls like in this room. Like he, that shit (laughs) got the ninja scrolls on motherfuckers, (laughs) man. Yeah, take back. Old school anime reference. And so, uh, Breakout was powerful and it was an example of when you can bring like-minded people together. I remember somebody made the comment and they said, man, like, 
you know, it's so ref- it's very refreshing to be around people who think and feel the way you do, even though we know that we're living in extremely polarizing times. But when we talk about think and feel, we're talking about people who really vibrate the same way you do. Right. And that was kind of what it was. It's like people who are really brilliant, man. And, you know, not to humble brag ourselves, but about people who are vibrating at that frequency, who are doers. It's rare to be around that and um, break out really encompass that. So, you know, again, we're just giving you a piece. We're going to let the good brother Bon and Bows let, do all the talking for this upcoming segment, man. But well, we're, we're back, man, live and direct, man, season two. Um, and this is this is a really jewel-filled episode. So you're going to have to soak up. You're going to have to get you some napkins. You're going to have to get you some towelettes, moist towelettes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, I guess they'd be dry towelettes because you soak up. Anyway, man. These Jack. foolish games. Yeah. <laughs> Jewels. <laughs> Anything else, Jack, you got, man, you want to hit with? That's it. Yeah, shout out yeah. to all the, all the party people, all the breakers. Um, we have yeah. an extended family, yeah, you know, man. all over the world now. So uh, really? thanks once again to Kate and Graham for, you know, putting things together. Yeah. And um, yeah, we're going to let Bonnie go ahead and drop them jewels. Yeah, man. You already know we're going to hit you with them sounds and vibrations. And after that, we back at it, man. You already know what it is. Digital Good Times. Ciao. Coming to you from a disclosed and undisclosed location, live from the W Midtown Hotel. I go by the name of Small Eyes. You already know it's Digital Good Times, but we are coming to you live from Breakout 2017. Um, and I'm here with the good brother, man. He's so illustrious, I can't even like read off the sheet because it's just a lot going on. Uh, the good brother Bonin, bow, 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 bow. See, Bonin, bow. I should man. know that because she'd be like, bow down, bow and bow down. No, bow, bow. no, not like that, but like you know, bow down, like the rap song. You know what I mean? You remember that? The West Side can I bow? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we gonna get, we gonna have random rap references. Nah, dude. We're all about that. So we're coming to you from this space. This breakout is all about innovators and influencers. How have you felt as it relates to the energy of Breakout 2017 and being in Atlanta? How has it been so far for you? Well, Small, if I can say, no. <laughs> uh, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm really, uh, I'm really excited uh, to be here with you. But I'm also excited to have um, conversations that are, uh, that have some real depth about, you know, I think what, what, what I liked about the breakout guys, I met them maybe a little under a year, was the vibe that they brought. Uh, and they touch down in cities and they try to bring people who um, can continue to help provide impact to the cities. And I think that's important. I mean, you know, we did some work. I did some work um, most recently with uh, uh, LeBron James and his camp on revitalizing neighborhoods and investing in entrepreneurs <clears throat> that are willing to build uh, <clears throat> storefronts in uh, neighborhoods because at the end of the day, it's small businesses that are actually going to make "quote unquote" America great again, mm-hmm. and um, and what I learned from that journey and that experience is how important it is for us to really take a step back and really invest uh, knowledge into our communities. No matter where our paths take us, we all learn and become better as a result of that. How do we bring that back to the community? Share, gain understanding, gain understand. Uh, you know, what are the challenges and provide kind of that feedback and what Breakout has done really well is they brought an interesting group of individuals together. I'm I'm lucky to be here with you today. And what's interesting is that I look around, you know, some of the talks and I'm like, shoot, one third of the people I know, man, you know, most conferences, you're like, I'm going to go network. 
But the reality is it just means there's like-minded individuals. And I think there is a real, at this moment in time in history, there's a real thought process around, okay, <clears throat> whatever happened, when it happened with whatever happened on happening in today's America, <laughs> uh, without trying to be explicit, but I'm right. sure you know what I'm right. talking about. Right. But whatever happened, happened. And maybe there's a reason why it happened, but the reality is, is were we focused enough on what we really need to do as a community, as a society, to kind of change where we are today and what our future will be? And so I feel like Breakout has captured a bit of that and said, hey, let's put people together and say, how do we chart a, a generation that actually cares about civic values, which is a rare thing. So, so in kind of going down that route where we're dealing with a lot of innovator, innovative-minded folks, how do you see, especially this being your wheelhouse, that's, we should have like a bell every time we say that. On our show, we say that a billion times. Ding! Like, wheelhouse <laughs> on the prairie, you know what I mean? Uh, that's a ding. We got, we got one. Uh, what do you feel is the trajectory for, as we continue to forge forward into investing, I mean, we are actually like, we're trapping off of the iPhone right now. Like we're doing this whole episode off of that. The fact that we become so much intertwined into this technology, in particular the mobile technology. What do you see if you were to future cast? Because I know that's another specialty too of yours. Like to future cast yourself in a year or two years into how we're going to interact with media. And especially, because I want to get into this, like how do you feel about the the FCC ruling and in the way in which they're going into trying to now be more controlling over who has and who says, who controls the flow of data and the flow of content. Uh, I know I threw like seven things at you, but what do you feel <clears throat> the growth of mobile and our, ex our connectivity to it? And then also, how do you feel about where things are going in relationship to the net neutrality regulations and how those things can impact us? So yeah, I think to answer your question, which is uh, how do I feel about where mobility is going, net neutrality, those kind of pieces. I think that the reality is this, is that, you know, mobility, the growth of mobility is at a pace that we've never seen before, I think. Um, and I, I personally am of the uh, concept that is being driven primarily by messaging. And I know people mm. don't love that. I think voice is not, it's part of a, a conversation and we do invest in voice technologies, but I think it's really for... Uh, sorry, five billion people are now using messaging technologies. Four to five minutes are spent in messaging. I think that when you look on a global level, consumers are connecting over this thing called text. Mm. And whether it's on Messenger, whether it's Lime, whether it's WeChat, whether it's Kick, whether it's Messenger, whatever it is, WhatsApp, that's where they're at. And they're creating experiences that are changing the way that we actually as a society, A, experience each other and also experience humanity mm. um, and consume content, quite frankly, what does the smile emoji mean? What does the fist emoji, you know what I mean? It, it has meaning, right. deep meaning, to, and at a level that we've never seen, imagery, and all those have become part of a whole new lexicon of communication, which I don't think that we, as people, are really talking about the impact, and that's what my book, which is text me 646-759-1837, for all mm. those listeners, text me, I'm happy to answer questions about the book or anything broadly, I love to talk to people. I spend time talking to people all the time. We've done over uh, now uh, 9,000 text messages. Mm. I have the level of personal conversation that people are willing to have with me is insane. Like I, maybe a little later I'll read, I'll read something. It's yeah. crazy, we've never, never seen anything like it. And I think that as we look into the future, we always talked about social media, and I've done a lot in that space. We've always talked about social media 
being kind of the one-to-one communication, but the reality is, is that it wasn't. It was still one-to-many. But this is now, this is the place where your daughter texts you. You know what I mean? Mm. Most important people in your life. And by the way, you're texting your daughter, she doesn't respond. First thing goes through your mind is, is she okay? And then Oreo comes over the top. It's like, hey, you want an Oreo? Like, that's not going to be it. You know, so we have to figure out what it means mm-hmm. to be a part of a consumer's life in a very personal way. And then, you know, I'm, I'm sure many listeners are familiar with Ryan Leslie. Ryan Leslie and I have talked a lot about personal relationship management. We've moved into a world of how do you manage personal relationships with people in a, in a vastly different way. So I think that that space is here. Um, if you go to China, you can see it you know, in full display. It's now emergent in kind of the U.S. I think if you go to Africa, you see a lot more. But anyway, so that's there. And you're going to be able to purchase. You're going to buy. You're going to be all those things are going to happen. So I think that that's a large portion of the future of mobility that nobody talks about <clears throat> outside of like bots. But I think that the question that I like even more that you asked is around this idea of uh, FCC net neutrality. Break it down for those who don't even, because a lot of people know what net neutrality is, but they don't know the impact, especially in you and your like extensive corporate background. How can you, I know you can look at it from both sides, whether it's from the consumer, you being a user, but then from the corporate side. What do you think are going to be the actual implications of these new rules? Well, I think we're talking about really First Amendment type stuff, right? And so this is really about, um, you know, who pays for access and how does that access get delivered to the masses and who controls that access? And so the reality of it is, is, you know, should a phone company be able to limit where you are able to look at uh, what you're able to look at on the Internet? Should a service provider be able to control your you know, your ability to watch whatever you want. That, that's the core. It's almost like first, I think it's First Amendment rights without the internet didn't exist. And oddly, you know, we can say the card didn't exist when they were writing the, uh, you know, the Constitution. But the reality is this is such a new technology. It didn't exist when they were writing the Constitution. So nobody even fathomed that right. this was a thing, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, and so the challenge that we have now is really, um, is that A, it didn't exist before, and now we have legislators who are legislating around it. And you can look across the globe. You can see what's happening in Europe. Europe telling Google, if somebody puts something negative up, and it, you know, it's both sides of the coin. I'm not saying I disagree or, or agree. If, if somebody puts something negative above a person, I can call Google and tell Google to take it down. Well, the technical implications of that are massive. And so the, the challenge that you have, and I'm not saying it's good or bad, I actually think that, that there's positives in that situation because I think there's a lot of defamation of character. And look, I know a good brother, I'm not going to mention his name, but he was up for uh, you know, a pretty high seat uh, in, in, in D.C. And a guy who he had put away in jail, he's a district attorney, uh, started defaming his character and almost challenged his chance to be, uh, you know, a pretty significant part of our political process, which, so I, so, so I, I, but the challenge is that you have people who are legislating against it who don't actually understand these platforms. So I look back, if you look back, I used to do a lot of pharmaceutical work Mm -hmm. on the digital side. You look back when the FCC, they said, you know what? No more can pharmaceutical ads advertise without showcasing uh, adverse events. Adverse events are the, you know, those 15 seconds of it might cause yellow fingernails and your firstborn to be dead. You know, all those things that are red. And by the way, in most media, on all media, print, you know, they have to showcase adverse events. But the difference is, is in search, 
you only have 140, 180 characters. So there was no way the pharmaceutical was ever going to be able to showcase adverse events. So what meant, what happened is that pharmaceuticals stopped advertising. And so what happened is that all of your mom and pop elixirs became, when I searched for a disease state, now look, again, I believe in homeopathic, I believe in natural, but my point is, is that there was unregulated information about health when you search for a condition. And so because, it, and what happened there was that the reason why we created a horrible consumer experience was because the people who sat inside the FCC didn't understand the technology. They literally didn't understand the technology. So the problem right now is not legislation for me. It's who sits on the other side of that table right. who actually understands where the future of these platforms are going. Very few people do. Like, this is a small community. Like, many of us know what, you know, and, and they're definitely, by the way, they're not working on government salaries. So the, 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 so the reality is, is that w until government brings in real kind of talent that understands where these places are going, can we actually create and have a real conversation around how do you legislate this thing for a next generation? But the even more interesting thing about this to me is, you know, Trump. Hmm. So, Talk about it. Talk about it now. So what's so massively, you know, what's so massively interesting to me is that for years we understood media as being controlled. Even in the digital world, we understood media as being controlled. And here's a guy who, you know, I, whatever, who rises to, you know, the most influential politician on the planet. And guess what? He doesn't even talk to the media. Twitter, game over. You don't even get a statement. You're fake news. Yeah. Fake news. Oh, Twi Twitter. That's it. Boom. You want something from me? Twitter. What? I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah, Boom. Midnight. Saying. Twitter. But it shows, it shows something really interesting, which is what he understood, which is what I think many people... Like, look, there is change that needs to happen. Like, we can talk about... Um, where we are as a society, we can talk about, uh, I think small businesses are under attack. I think black owned businesses are under attack. I think that th what it really means to actually be a successful entrepreneur in this country is being challenged and under attack. I think the reality is, is that, you know, make America great again is really 80% of small businesses fail in the first 18 months. I don't care whether you're black, white, Puerto Rican or Haitian or from the Zulu nation. But my point is, is the reason why they fail, <laughs> they fail is because they don't have access to capital. Mm -hmm. Capital markets have been frozen since 2008, dude. And so... It, it, and, and the people who are going to create jobs in America are not the big organizations that I work for. Maybe we'll put 5,000 jobs in a place or we close the plan. Five, you know, the reality is, is that the majority of, biz, of job creation is created by small businesses and we are not creating the infrastructure to allow small businesses. And so when I look at what's interesting about what Trump has done is he said, you know what, I don't need to talk to this. What he's proven is that there is more power in these platforms than we ever thought was possible. And so... For me, it's like, how do we get more people to take to Instagram? How do we get more people to take to Twitter? How do we actually bring the challenges of today to the forefront of a generation that actually does not watch CNN on a continual basis, that does not watch the Today Show or the nightly news, like that sits in black Twitter, that is a part of, you know, Insta fame, like how do we begin to bring real issues to that and raise up and change our communities on a whole? And that's what was interesting. And 
need to, I don't know how, why I'm going to say this because it's so wrong, but inspirational about what Trump has done. And I know it sounds crazy, but inspirational about the use of the platform, the use of the platform, because he proved that, you know what? Non-traditional sources can have impact on society in ways that we never thought possible. Check this out. I'm talking big money Just bought the new J's But ain't paid your rent money So now you mask up For that hit the lick money Faucet broken taxis And black people drip money Ay, Pay me for a feature Cause my flow legit money It's just your hobby You ain't really getting rich money Vanna White Make you vow That you gonna spend money Preacher screaming Yes Lord For that make a wish money Ay, Get money Hey we gon' get money Them boys fresh With they pocket lint money a price on your head, load up the clip money Heads and tails with the brick, that's that make it flip money hey. Quick money, that hard to get money Just put your mind to it, it ain't hard to get money Single mom club feeling that she gotta strip money Hit the plush, dirty ratchet, I don't wanna tip money Grand hustle like the album, I'ma get that tip money Get a grip money, that filthy rich money No EZL, hoping for some falling slip money Borrow from your friends, flexing on your Facebook pick money Look, girl call me zaddy, she gon' get this trick money White people get, and we just give money Something like hoes getting pimped by the money Wonder what the real stop if they never print money Look, get money, get money How you learn to squad, we just getting ripped money Yeah, yeah Standing in the field, it's a money zone Mama didn't care, she just said bring the money home That's around the time, bruh, bruh, cop the money phone Yeah Them fans ran base after base Baseball numbers hit it play after play Cell phone ring, ring, day every day Day every day Da Vinci, we was cracking them codes Sick to ourselves, we were stuck in our modes I witnessed with my own eyes, grab a load, hit the road It's only room for one in that fourth door, uh Smith and Wesson hidden in the trenches, keep a low pro If you're not with the team, you're not in a discussion We was chasing them bands, silence out the repercussions People say they was hustling with us, no they wasn't I got a few brothers, music brought a lot of cousins Killer bees at your head, boy they swarming and they buzzing You make the wrong move, then them boys get the bussing You should just watch who you dealing with, uh How you learning, uh Got it all from hard work and diligence Don't worry about us, man, we still I mean, my man's wild like Siegfried Roy, mental like Sigmund Freud, come through and we destroy this rap game is nothing I haven't seen before, act out like CB4, take yours and we rejoice, yeah, that's that money talk, ba-da-ba, alright, yeah, just like that, we back, man. Um, again, we had to pause for the cause for you just so you can, again, take a breather and get your, you know, get your uh, your bib, you know, because you're just spilling all the, all, the, all the jewels and the juice nuggets of knowledge <laughs> juice are spilling. Nuggets. Yeah, as a juice nuggets, man. This is what happens when I'm survival scrolling. I'm freestyling off the top. And um, the good brother Bonnie, man, at Breakout, 
we got the chance to sit down with him from what you just heard. And he he was just going, man. So one thing I asked him, and he was, I mean, he's throwing out so many numbers, man. He's talking about he he was working, uh, you know, with $500 million in marketing funds. Like he had the, he's had opportunities and been in rooms that most people will never, ever be able to um, be in or have access to. Yeah. So he has an insight that you won't find in many places um, and he's highly reachable um, so you'll hear him give his plugs at the end and yeah so basically the good brother is going to continue to keep spitting for y'all we wanted to just again let you know that there's a lot of progressive things happening within the city um, and Breakout is one example there's many things coming we're still partnered and affiliated with Breakout um, so we're trying to bring more of these events so one, one thing I will give an example of that happened at Breakout was like there was a meditation um, like experience man and it was crazy it, was, it had um, uh, Miriam Miriam yep. performance. A shout out to Miriam, man. I don't even know she checks the show, but man, it was she. It was fantastic. Um, and there was a violinist, and there was like this group meditation where it was like, I don't know how many people was in there. It was maybe, a couple hundred, maybe like three hundred. Three hundred people in the Fox meditating for like a good 30, 40 minutes, yeah. and it was it was powerful, that was man. Cool. And I want to do some more cool shit like that in the city with all different kinds of people, and and they're trying to do more like that. So keep your eyes peeled. Uh, more digital good times breakout collaborations and with more um, folks in the city, man. But we're gonna get more bonding up in you. That was weird. I know as soon as I said it, it was weird. So it's okay, man. Y'all know how we get down. <laughs> <laughs> digital good times, man. We're gonna let the good brother bonding keep flowing. And y'all already know what it is, man. We're gonna let him just keep talking. Please connect with us. You already know how to get in touch with us. D I G I good times. On all social medias, man. And uh, yeah. Jet. All right. We out here. You already know. I think the big the big thing for me right now, what I've realized is like, look, so you know, I know we're gonna talk about my background. The bottom line is I was one of the youngest C-level executives at a Fortune 50 at a very young age. Uh, I think I reached C level at like 36, which is massively rare. Um, and I got really lucky. There were a lot of people who helped me on the way, and I've tried to pay back that as much as I could to every single person that I could. But the thing that I, I would hope that the listeners take away and this thing is that for now, we are in a moment now, and I quit so that I could go and explore this. We are a moment now more than ever that a youth is valued, uh, which it wasn't before. Like historically, it was about, do you, do you have experience? Fuck your experience, motherfucker. You know what I got? Facebook, bitch, it wins. And then the other piece that I think is really is that disruptive models are upon us and the ability to communicate those. The fact that something like Becca Cosmetics, Becca Cosmetics in three years can become a $100 million brand, that's game over, dude, using Instagram. Instagram, like really, Instagram was sold, by the way, when they were bought, they were only 13 people bought for a billion dollars. I did the very first brand campaign with Instagram. They only had six people working for them. And now they're creating $100 million businesses in three years. What? This is game over. The, the opportunity that sits in front of us and the biggest challenge for me, and this is what I was saying with the Trump statement, is that he took advantage of those platforms. Dude. Mm. He was like, I'm going to take advantage of what's in front of me. And many people do not take advantage of those platforms. And so for me, that's like, that is the thing is that like right now we have a chance to create businesses of scale that were never possible before. And the beautiful thing is the large organizations that I used to work for, they can't move fast enough 
to even take advantage of the platforms. The, the, the world is ours. Anyway, sorry, mm. go ahead. Mm. Well, y'all got to marinate on that. Them, them thoughts <laughs> real quick. Not them thoughts, <laughs> them thoughts. Um, so tell us your origin story. How did you get involved in this space? Yeah, no, I'll tell you, I'll tell you quick. You know, the interesting thing, and I never really talk about this and I don't really think about it, but as I, as I think back, so, you know, my, my, uh, I was, uh, I was, my parents separated when I was like seven years old. Uh, my dad was a photographer, jazz musician from Chicago, mom, uh, business student. She was actually, I think 20 years younger than my dad. She was the lab tech at a college that he started teaching at. That's how they meet. They create a company called Corporate Communication Studios, photography studio at the time when the first black kind of uh, film, uh, 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 photography people in pretty much in New York. And then my dad did special effects, which was by far no other black people did that. Yeah. And so really pioneers in that, in that respect, afros, picking the hair, all that type, stand on that, you know, all that shit. And then my parents separate. And then my mom, they lose everything. My mom moves up to uh, 163rd Street and Edgecombe. Little me, I'm like maybe eight or nine, something like that. And I don't even put all those things together, but if you know what that world looked like at that time period, Harlem, you know, it was abandoned buildings, crack vials, crack heads, that was, that was what it was. Statistically, I shouldn't be where I am today, you know? And um, I credit where, where I am to my, my mother because she knew one thing, she knew that if she could protect me to some extent, but still let me gain some street knowledge and put what the next piece is, and that's why I always believe is, what's the future? How do we run towards the future? So she taught me, she basically gave me a computer when I was really young. Mm -hmm. I learned how to program. I had Commodore 64, I had a Macintosh 512K, I had the 128, you know, like, and she just kept putting that in front of me. I learned graphic design, da, da, da. So when I got into high school, I moved out to Staten Island. My parents moved out to Staten Island. When I got to high school, I took programming. I took Pascal, C plus, C sharp. I learned how to program. That was kind of, I was just, I remember being 12 years old, going to Mac user events in New Jersey with like, you know, 40 old white dudes and some like 12 year old black kids showing up, like probably inappropriate on so many levels. But anyway, but that was like, she put me into that thing, you know, that yeah. was, she knew that this was going to be a thing. Somehow she knew, like who knew? She knew. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so when I got to college, actually my college roommate who's here today, who lives in Atlanta, we started a web company. Uh, we started actually two. We did the first Jordash website. We did the first Soccer Hall of Fame website. We so yeah, Jordash. I was a oh, physics. Young <laughs> yeah. not know Jordash. The Jordash <laughs> look, working, playing, day or night. I can still hear the video of my fucking head there. And what was crazy is we did these 3D things where you could turn the pants, whatever, and it was so data intense. And at that time, the connections were nothing that we had to create a loading game where you could play like a little loading game while the actual pants loaded so you could see what the pants looked like on a model. It was horrible. But heart beveled buttons, horrendous, beginning of the days. And so um, I was a physics poli sci major, fell in love with uh, political philosophy, uh, wanted to go do a graduate in Columbia. That's what I got. I got an uh, opportunity to do a graduate in Columbia when I, when I came out. We sold the company, but that summer I just wanted to be busy, so I freelance programmed. And uh, I ended up at like Razorfish, Proxycom, like all the big guys at the time, programmer, HTML, JavaScript. And... Um, 
I went to a couple of parties and it was like, whoa, vodka fountains and shrimp boats. I was like, oh my God, I've arrived. Like, I don't want to do anything other than this internet. It was 99. It was like the heyday of the internet. I was like, let's do this internet thing. And then I got lucky and I ended up at a family owned company, uh, PR agency, Ruder Finn, and they wanted to start a digital agency. I was a programmer there. They brought in this guy, Scott Schneider from RGA, which at that time was still is a big shop. And Scott came in, Scott took one look at me. He said, you know, you're a horrible programmer, but you're interestingly smart. Why don't you do user experience? So I started doing user experience. We co-built the, the practice and then we grew that. And I, he never wanted to travel because he had young kids. So I traveled everywhere. I pitched around the world. I opened up our San Francisco office, our Europe office, our Asia office. I was so young. I remember clients in San Francisco. I used to have to lie to them and tell them I was five years older than I was. Wow. I just got really, really lucky. And, um, and I just learned a lot. And, you know, the one thing I would say to listeners is that if you have a chance when you're, if you're at the beginning of your career, and I'll talk about later on in your career, but if you're in the beginning of your career, in some respects, going someplace smaller is a mu much better because you get to do a lot of things. So it's like, you know, if you're in a small organization, you actually get to touch a lot of different things. You learn a lot of skills all at once. So, so I think there's something interesting to think about there. If you like big, then I can give you... Uh, ways to think about how to grow and accelerate your career big. I actually launched a talent accelerator because I believe in investing in people mm. uh, tremendously. So, boom, I do that, Ruder Finn. I do that for eight years. Scott's not going anywhere. I still love him till this day. We're still good friends. He's still at Ruder Finn. Hence, he wasn't going anywhere. But so I decide I have to leave. So I leave. I end up going to IPG, which is big holding company. I run their medium uh, investment group. I end up investing in uh, Facebook. I bought Facebook, 2% of Facebook um, at that time, IPG, really early. Then they said, you know what? We like this, but now we need you to go and build this digital practice for a company called Weber Shamwick. Weber Shamwick is the largest PR agency in the world. I do that for two years. I grow up from 40 to over 100 people. We double revenues in the first year. But I learned one of the most important lessons of my life uh, from that experience, which was um, I really didn't understand corporate America. And um, I had some missteps there. And um, one of those missteps led me to having to split up the, organ, the, uh, the group that I was building. And um, it really hurt me because I, I ended up having to like fire people who were best friends because this was the first P&O role I had. So all the relationships I had, I came out, I hired everybody who I knew and was like, we're gonna, I had to let go of people I know and it hurt me really badly. I remember sitting in my office with my head in my hand going, shit, how did I miss this? How did I not see around the corner? Mm -hmm. And at that moment I said to myself, you know, I'm gonna be in more control of my career than anybody that I work for. And so I, I began a journey on creating brand bonding. And that was really about how do I become a thought leader? How do I become known in this industry? How do I do the things that nobody else is willing to do? How do I begin to take risks in a way that nobody else has? I, I felt like I was always pioneering in my, in my career, but up until then I wasn't deliberate. And that's the one thing, uh, or another piece I would leave with your listeners, which is people are more deliberate about the products, the services, and the organizations that they sell or work for than they are about their own career. And the mm -hmm. bottom line is, is that at the end of the day, this is hard work. There are more, if you, there are more, um, uh, sorry, there are less vice presidents of Fortune 500s than there are elite athletes in the world. So if you believe it's hard to be LeBron, it's really fucking hard to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 organization. And so mm -hmm. if you work inside of a company and you have aspirations of being that, and all you're doing is hoping that if you put your head down and do good work that you're gonna win, guess what? 
Not happening, dude. Not happening. And so there are really deliberate steps that you need to take. And I didn't learn that. So I left Weber Shamwick and ended up going to Pepsi. I ran digital globally for Pepsi, $69 billion business, got really lucky. But at that stage, I learned a couple of things. One, I learned what scale looks like, mm-hmm. what what it looks like to operate on a global level in mass. And, you know, like I was at a global agency, but now this was an organization that could put a Pepsi on the moon if we needed to. Uh, So what does that world look like, right? And I worked across multi-brands. But the other thing I did, I learned during that experience, I ended up, uh, they ended up sending me to um, an executive coach. And I went to the executive coach and I show up an hour late. Um, and the executive coach said, what do you think I think of you? And I said, well, I'm an executive coach. You're paid to think whatever I tell you. I said, I don't know. <laughs> he goes, no, you're an hour late, dude. He goes, what the organization thinks of you right now, and this is the word they use, is that you're the absent-minded professor. Mm. But they believe in you because somebody at your level would never get the investment to have a coach that, that it costs if they didn't believe in you. Mm. But people have a perception on you. And at that moment, I learned two important things. One, there's a buzz about you, just like there are on brands. If you work in an organization and you've been there longer than three months, there's a perception of who you are and how you operate. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know that perception, you're fooling yourself. But two, the most important thing is that can be shaped and changed. And so at that moment, I learned that, okay, A, I have to be massively aware that I work inside of a company with other people, that other people are making decisions about my career, about my life. Like everybody will tell you, it's a team sport. It's a team sport. And you know what? They're right. It takes a team to deliver and to execute. But the reality is, is it's not the same as a team sport. Because in a team sport on the field of play, your contributions are noticed as much as anybody else's. Everybody gets to see how much you put into that game. Mm -hmm. In an organization, a very small amount of people actually see what you're capable of. And by the way, those people are then, maybe a small amount of those people are actually making decisions on your career. So what you have to remember when you work in larger organizations, or organizations in general, is that no matter how much of a rock star you are, and I believe in creating rock stars, no matter how much of a rock star you are, it doesn't matter if nobody knows. And so you're the only cheerleader you have. So how do you share your successes far and wide? And then how do you make sure that you bring people along that journey with you? It's a really interesting matrix. So I leave there. I end up at Mondelez. The other thing I would say to people is ask for what you want. Mm. When I was at Pepsi, I kept asking them, How do I, what does it take for me to become a VP? Not make me a VP. What do you need me to show you that will allow me to, and they couldn't tell me the answer. So Kraft at that time comes along and asks me to come be a VP. And by the way, they say, you run digital now, tomorrow you'll run all media, close to $2 billion of buying. You'll be the seventh largest media buyer in the world. Do you want? I was like, well, I'm kind of interested in that thing. That sounds interesting. (laughs) So then I go back to Pepsi, but I didn't want to leave Pepsi. And I said, hey, here's the deal. They said, you know what? We're going to make you a VP. We're going to match the salary. I said, okay, well, what about total media? Can I get total media budget? And can't do that. Mm. The funny thing is, is that, well, they couldn't give me the span of control that I was going after or that I was now going to have at Kraft. Had they just told me what it took to be a VP, I wouldn't have mattered. I wouldn't have even been looking. But now, now my eyes are open to some, my eyes are open. I'm fully woke now. I'm woke. So now I see this thing. So then I go over and I run all media. And then, 
you know, uh, so, so that happens. And for me, it was always like, how do we do things different? How do we do the things that nobody else wants to do? But how do we do the things that we know are directionally right? So I knew the world. I knew digital. I'd been at the kids' table for years. It was always like, oh, what's happening over there with those TV guys? And they're like, sit at the kids' table. Shut up. And then I finally got to the adult table. And then I opened the curtain. I was like, oh, it's empty. There's nothing here. What do you mean? There's nothing here. So well, I applied. And I was never like TV versus digital. I applied I was a digital guy, just knew what I knew worked. And I just said, hey, we're going to do this. And, you know, we dramatically increased top line net revenue, close to $3 billion in the, the time I was there. We delivered almost $300 million to the bottom line in just savings. We moved from 3% of spending in digital to 32% of spending. We had real, real, real impact on that business. And I say we because it was a team, you know, that I was lucky enough to, to be surrounded by. But the other thing I think that was interesting is, you know, in I don't believe that in order to progress in an organization, you have to kill the guy ahead of you. Although they are pyramids, and what people tend to forget is that there's only a few roles at the top. But for me, it's always, how do you expand that pyramid? So I got an offer to go to another fast food organization to be CMO, came back, talked to them about it, and they said, we don't want to see you go. I said, okay, well, give me econ. Expand the pyramid. I could say, give me X, Y, and Z's job, but give me econ. We expanded the pyramid. And then we took an e-commerce and we built a whole team underneath that. We grew that business from 60 to 260 in the 18, 265, I think, in the 18 months that I was there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was interesting. But I guess, so that's kind of, and now, then LeBron called and we did revitalization. Now I'm investing in companies. Now I'm working to do growth consulting for uh, a number of Bain Capital business or Bain Capital companies. One of them is a massive beauty business, which will end up being my focus as we move forward because I believe that beauty is hot and uh, I believe in the founder. But I think through that journey, the the lessons that I learned, if I could just sum up real quick, Mm -hmm. the lessons I learned were, you know, one, you know, know the battleground that you're going into. I think very few people appreciate, like I didn't know what I was going into really moving into corporate America. Two, at the end of the day, you're the only cheerleader that you have and you have to figure out how to tell your story, you know, far, far and wide. And then I think three is understand the tactics and techniques. Take time to actually be deliberate about your career growth. Very few people are deliberate mm. about their career growth. And, you know, the side, the, the walls are littered with people who thought that they were going to become CEO and didn't even get close. Mm. You know what I mean? So how do you, how do you figure that thing out? Four Ask for what you want, dude. Like, don't just assume it's going to come to you. You got to ask for what you want. And I think really, you know, the the last piece of that for me is you have to be relentless in believing in yourself. Like, I did programs. It took me three years to drop a guy out of an airplane with no parachute on. And everybody told me, no, 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 not going to happen. I was like, fuck you. Yes, it's happening. That's how I'm rolling. Mm. And once we did it, Everybody was like, I knew it was a good idea from the first time I saw it. You're like, well, that's not true. Because you actually, three years ago, you didn't say that. You literally did not. You said it was the worst idea ever. So, you know, be relentless in believing in what you think is right. And in that same, because I don't want to give six, and that same number five is do things that nobody else is willing to do, dude. Like mm. nobody, nobody gets recognition from doing the same stuff. You know, you said the Beatles of this generation. You know what? The Beatles of this generation did something different than the generation before. Right. It wasn't like, you know, you can't sing the same cover. You can't be a cover band right. and be famous. Like, let's just be honest. So do different stuff. So to, so first of all, just so y'all know, this he did what we call official survival scrolling. That's what, what he, he just did for y'all. Because I can't even fathom all the shit he just went through. He's saying numbers like 69 billion. Like, like that's just like, a, <laughs> those are just things that people think about. Um, but for real, man, uh, we really, really appreciate you for giving us this energy. 
uh, for giving you this time. Can you tell the people how they can connect with you one more Please, time? Please, not just how you can connect with me. I hope you connect with me. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, so, you know, first of all, A, you know, I, I talk about all these great things I'm doing, but the reality is I don't have a job right now, so I sell books. So buy a book. So brothers don't have to, be on, don't have to be on the street uh, shucking and jiving for the, no. Uh, so I got a book called Text Me, uh, but you can reach out to me. It's uh, 646-759-1837. But, you know, when you do reach out to me, I get a lot of stuff like, hey, hi. So I just write hi back. I don't, <laughs> fuck you. That's all you can write? Hey, <laughs> hey back to you too. I mean, I don't, what, what do you want me to do with that? But write me, tell me who you are. Tell me, you know, what your interests are. What I really, really want to do now or what I try to spend a lot of my time on is providing as much advice and opportunity as I can and inspiration. And like, if you have dreams and aspirations and you want to fit, you know, if you want to talk it out with somebody who's interested in trying to figure out how to help people continue to be the best they can be. And I, if you want to help me continue to be the best I can be, please reach out to me about that. Um, but likewise, like that's, that's what I'm here for. So it's 646-759-1837 and uh, peace and love to all you. And I just hope to hear from you guys. There it is, y'all. Another live on-site breakout 2017 Bonin. Bow! We're going to leave you on that, y'all. More to come. Digital Good Times. Y'all already know we out here. Yo, what's up, party people? This is Jack Preston of Digital Good Times. Did you like that last episode? Talking about the evolution of marketing and mobile messaging. Uh, Or did you not like that episode? Either way, please leave your comment. Let us know how you feel about it. The best way to do that is by visiting iTunes, hitting that rate button, and then leaving that review. We look forward to hearing from you.